Hi everyone and welcome back to the Drinks with Ali podcast where we're talking everything from red red wine to pina coladas. My name is Ali and today is Monday, March 5th, or not March, it is April 5th today guys, making today a mixed drink Monday show. This is episode number 44, getting us ever closer to episode 50, inching, inching, inching closer. I hope you all enjoyed your holiday weekend. Hopefully you didn't indulge in too much Easter candy. I personally ate almost no chocolate eggs. Pretty proud of that fact. So, for today's show, let's take a look at one of the most iconic cocktails of all time. One that is so extremely easy to make, but is also extremely easy to screw up. This is one of two cocktails I've ever had returned to me as a bartender. Funny story. Both of those cocktails were returned within a week of each other, and it was about six months ago. Didn't feel so great. Not gonna lie. So, it is also an extremely personal cocktail. And, in case you couldn't guess, today we are going to take a peek at the martini. So let's jump on in. Like most of the classic cocktails... The true origin of the martini is rather muddled and a cloud- cloudy mystery. We do know that it predates Harry Craddock's Savoy cocktail book of the 1930s, or sorry, of, the, of 1930. But beyond that, we have very few ideas as to where it comes from, just quite a number of theories. The first one is that the cocktail was named for the Martini brand of vermouth, which would be completely plausible since Martini has been around since 1863, though it hasn't been a global powerhouse quite as long. So the Martini in kind of America and also in Britain and Paris, uh, so London and Paris, kind of is around the same time when we start to see uh, the martini or a martini-type drink appear. And martini itself, as the brand of vermouth, wasn't really around before that kind of jump. And it doesn't definitely wasn't like a huge international brand at that point. Another theory... And one that is slightly more popular is that the martini evolved from a Martinez, which we do know the martini evolved from Martinez, but we believe that it evolved from Martinez served at the Occidental Hotel in San Francisco in the early 1860s. How it came to get its name that way, though, is a bit of a mystery. So there's people from another town Martinez, who would hop an evening ferry over to San Francisco and drink at this hotel. But residents of Martinez say that a bartender in their town created the drink and not a bartender in San Francisco. Well, a third theory is that the drink was just named for the town itself and had nothing to do with the people or the bartender or anything else. It just happened to be named for the town of Martinez. Like I said, the Martinez is a cocktail in and of its own right, even now. Um, It has gin, vermouth, 
maraschino liqueur, lots of bitters, and a couple other things. It's considered to be like the grandfather of the martini um, and really of like the old-fashioned type drink as well. Now, in 1911 or 1912, we start to see the first cocktails that are sort of similar to the modern martini at the Knickerbocker Hotel in New York City. By 1904, so a little bit before that, the Marguerite cocktail comes into existence. So this is kind of where the Marguerite and then it becomes the drink that we know at the Knickerbocker Hotel. The Marguerite was two to one Plymouth gin to dry vermouth with a dash of orange bitters. So pretty similar to what we would call a standard martini. During Prohibition, bootleg gin saw the martini become wildly popular, and it can be assumed that Jay and Nick of The Great Gatsby indulged in more than one martini. So if we're looking at a pop culture reference, um, definitely we can assume that everybody at Jay's parties were drinking martinis. With the repeal of Prohibition and the subsequent available availability of higher quality gin, the martini got drier and drier, meaning there was less and less vermouth. Um, so originally, um, at some point during Prohibition, it was probably 50-50. And then as gin quality increased, we went to a drier and drier style of martini until it becomes the martini we know of today, which is around probably the 1940s. And of course, in the 1970s and 80s, the martini becomes seen as old-fashioned and my parents drink, so it falls off the map. Nobody really wants to drink it. Until the mid to late 90s, when it leads the charge of the cocktail renaissance. So it is probably the first cocktail that bartenders really brought back into the spotlight when they started working with craft cocktails. So... Like I said, the martini is a highly personal cocktail, and it is highly variable. So the rest of this podcast will be dedicated to various variations on the classic martini. So the classic or dry martini preparation finds us adding two and a half ounces of dry gin, half an ounce of dry vermouth, and a dash of orange bitters to a mixing glass filled with ice. We will stir until well chilled. So 20 to 30 seconds, same as a good shake. Then we strain into a martini glass and garnish with either an olive or a lemon peel twist. So, alrighty, before we get any further into any of the variations, let's step back and take a quick peek at this recipe and find the first four places for variations or personal choices that we can make with our martini. Before we even get into various styles of martini. First, we have the variation on what gin you select. Typically, we'd want a London dry, but just about any dry gin, um, New World, New Western style, Old Tom, anything like that, will actually work and will actually be tasty depending on what you want to taste. Secondly, the type of vermouth we use can change the flavor of the martini, making it, again, highly personable. So the brand of dry vermouth that you choose can be a complete and total game changer when it comes to creating a martini. Third, your choice of lemon peel or olive 
can be a big choice. Um, spritzing the lemon oil over the top of the martini glass and wiping the rim um, and then placing the olive twist in can be a very big choice for people versus something like an olive. And then finally, there's the idea of shaken versus stirred. As bartenders, we're taught two things. One, that a martini should be stirred because there is no juice or um, herbs or anything that could get in the way of having a crystal clear drink. So you would stir it, not shake it. But we're also taught not to question a guest's choices. So if a guest wants it shaken, shaken it is. There's no reason for us to argue that with a guest or whoever's bringing us the cocktail chit. The reason, though, that we stir a martini is to keep the martini from having any ice shards in it. We want our martini to be crystal clear, not hazy from the ice. So we definitely want to stir, not shake, but should you prefer shaken, that is totally up to you. And don't be afraid to order it that way. On to our variations. Our first variation is the dirty martini. In this recipe, we simply add a splash of olive brine to the mixing glass before we stir. Super easy. I'd add one to two bar spoons of brine. You can go more if you want more olive, like more dirtiness, less dirtiness if you want. Obviously, you can add less. This variation is always garnished with an olive, though. So, a little bit of an easy, easy one there. The next variation is the wet martini. So instead of the dry martini, this is the wet martini. This adds more vermouth and less gin. As to how much, it depends entirely on personal choice. Usually it's up to one ounce of vermouth to two ounces of gin, much like the 1920s would be completely acceptable. If you find yourself enjoying a wet martini, try and figure out precisely what ratio you, you enjoy so that when you're at a bar, you can order and say, I'd really like a two-to-one gin of vermouth martini because then we can add that to the chit and we can the bartender knows exactly what you're asking when you order it. And it will save everybody a lot of heartache. Next up, there's the 50-50 martini, which, much like it name, its name implies, is equal parts gin to vermouth, making the recipe one and a half ounces of gin one and a half ounces of dry vermouth, and a dash of orange bitters. It is interesting to note that in all of the variation recipes, the only thing that doesn't change is the amount of orange bitters that are used in the cocktail bottle. So it's always one dash. I mean, you could go for two. It gives you a little bit more of an orangey note or citrusy note, um, but it does change the bitterness of the cocktail. So don't go too much. Oh, and of course, the glassware, which of course, is the martini. Um, martinis are always served in their own glass. Um, personally, all of the martini glasses that I have are absolutely massive, so I tend to serve mine in a coupe. Um, I have some small martini glasses without stems, which are really pretty, but I don't really like to use them to drink from because they warm up the glasses really, really fast, but they are very cool. Then we have a Gibson martini, which subs a cocktail onion and for the olives um other than that absolutely nothing changes it's two and a half ounces of dry gin 
one and a half ounces or half an ounce of dry vermouth and a dash of orange bitters. Stir, and instead of an olive, you're just going to drop a cocktail onion on a stick in there. The Gibson, though, was invented in 1907 at the Bohemian Grove Club in San Francisco. So it is an older cocktail, definitely for sure. So it has some definitive age to it. Alrighty, we're nearly there, guys. There's also the reverse or upside down martini, which basically just flips the vermouth for the gin. So you'd have two and a half ounces of vermouth and half an ounce of gin. If you really like Amari, um, it would be a great drink for you. Otherwise, it would not be so fantastic, um, but probably very balanced at the same time. Then there's a drink that we call the perfect martini. Sounds intriguing, right? This one is a split of the vermouth. So in our mixing glass, we would add two and a half ounces of gin, one quarter ounce of dry vermouth, and one quarter ounce of sweet vermouth, and that dash of orange bitters. We'd stir, and we'd strain it into our martini glass, and then we would probably garnish it with a lemon twist. I wouldn't really twist, put an olive in this one. It definitely sounds like a great way to have it perfectly balanced between dry and sweet. Oh, and the vodka martini simply swaps vodka for gin. So you would have two and a half ounces of vodka, half an ounce of dry vermouth, and a dash of orange bitters. And the proper name, in case you were wondering, if you're ordering a shaken martini, is the Bradford. Whether or not people will know that when you order it is yet to be seen. I would probably say I'd like a Bradford, and if somebody looks at you sideways, say a shaken martini. And remember that what 007 drinks in the movie Casino Royale is actually a Vesper. Um, It is uh, gin, vermouth, and Lule Kina, which is no longer available. So a lot of people sub in Lule Blanc. Um, but it is definitely in a class of its own. It's not really considered to be a martini um, because it adds the lile, but it is a tasty drink. So much like the teenies from the martini craze of the 80s and early 90s, which featured drinks in martini glasses and called them martinis. So this is where you get your apple teeny, your porn star martini, um, I don't know. There's probably hundreds of them. They were just basically anything with vodka that went into a martini glass got called a teeny. The espresso martini is also a vodka-based cocktail that is served in a martini glass. has no other relevance to a martini other than those two things. Um, and since uh, gin is the traditional call for a true martini. I wouldn't even call it a true martini because of that. But we will talk espresso martinis one day. So with that, guys, we'll wrap up our look at the martini, which has been quite an exhaustive look and has been a bit of a whirlwind tour with so many variations. Remember, guys, it is a completely personal drink. So whatever you choose that you want to drink is what you want to drink. There's no right or wrong with this one. Just enjoy what you like. And if you're going to start making martinis at home, nail down that two and a half, one and a, two and a half, half, 
dash of bitters, classic dry martini, and then start to experiment from there. Once you know that one, you can kind of change it up and see what you like and kind of experiment and evolve your taste from there. And then when you go out, you'll feel super confident. I mean, I'm sure we have some time, right? Almost half of us are still not able to really dine out. So practice at home and then you'll know what you like when you go out. If you would like to send me a message, whether it is a question, comment, or a show topic idea, you can do that in a couple of ways. You can head over to the website Drinks with Allie and fill out the contact me form. They come directly to me, so I will see them and I will answer. I'd love to get some show topic ideas from you guys. Uh, you can also head to Podcast 44's page and drop a message there. If you want to send me an email, it's drinkswithally at gmail.com. Again, they come directly to me, so you will always find me if you do it that way. If you'd like to connect on social media, it is at drinkswithally on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, MeWe, Pinterest, Spotify, and TikTok. So there are lots of choices there. So with that, guys, have an incredible week. Fill your glass with something tasty tonight. Cheers, everyone.